2: my friends, because today Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike are talking about connective tissue. I'm Dr. Mike Todorovic. This is a different opening than I usually do. but I was wondering
1: wondering if this is a new podcast.
2: Should I just do the regular one, Matt? No. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Todorovic, joined by my co-host... Connected
1: with Matthew Barton. Wow. He is my
2: areola connective tissue. (laughs) Wow. My elastic pal, my reticular friend. Connective tissue is the topic today. Are going to call me dense? Uh, dense irregular is what I would call you. Uh, today we're talking about uh, the topic that many students probably ignore, dislike. Yeah. Push to the side. Uh, push to the side. Uh, I get it. It's confusing. It's not a super fun topic Boring. but we will make it fun, Right. We could we could try. Well, only with those
1: types of pauses we
2: won't. So I think the best place to begin, Dr. Matthew Barton, is by talking about if I were to pluck every cell off your body one by one, off it, off it.
1: What all the bacteria?
2: Just every. Just (laughs) I was just to pluck you apart one by one, one cell at a time, and pile you up. There'd be about thirty trillion cells that make up you, Matthew. Mm. Now, if what a
1: pile it would look like. Just, oh, I reckon it's similar to what it looks like now, to be honest. Just a pile of slime. Big red slimy pile.
2: Um, if I were to then take those cells and then sort them according to just their function broadly, I would have four piles.
1: Okay. so these- And I'm not talking
2: about hemorrhoids here. I'm talking about four separate piles of cells uh, sorted by function. And these are what we call tissues.
1: Okay. All right. And so, so basically you've got the cluster of cells, tried to... Understand what they actually do in a similar way, and then we can categorise them in four broad categories. Yeah, okay. exactly
2: what I said. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so they're the muscle, muscle okay. tissue. So that's for movement. So that's a huge part of the pile. Yep. keep yeah, going. Yeah. Be, well, for me, <laughs> maybe. Uh, another really big part of the pile for you is uh, epithelium. Oh, okay. Yep. So just a bunch of skin. skin? Yeah. So that's two skin that's and, a barrier,
1: skin and pipes. Excuse me. Skin and pipes. Okay. Well, let's not yeah, like the, let's not get into mouth to – All right. Well, we've covered that one. Okay. But also the, the lungs.
2: Yep. So epithelia is just barriers. Then we've got uh, nervous. So that is uh, for communication. And then finally, the last tissue type is that for connective tissue. All the cells that sort of hold you together. Right. Right? So that's going to be the focus of today's mm. connective tissue. Now, when we think about connective tissue, they actually have – well, there's no definitive way to talk about their functions, but I like to say there's five functions. So this is
1: your five categories that you've made yourself?
2: My five categories. I think that every, if not most, (laughs) textbooks will concur. They might only say few of them. I think I actually am more more more? extensive. Oh. Yeah, I'm far better than most of the textbooks. Everyone says, why don't you write a textbook? And my answer is – because I like time? living a life. Yeah. yeah. No, why would I waste my time? People think that textbooks are a lucrative deal. They ain't.
1: How would you know? You haven't, haven't
2: done one. We've written chapters of textbooks. Okay.
1: It's
2: not a financially smart idea to do. <laughs> uh, anyway, so five functions of connective tissue. Okay. All right. One, here, we, here we go. Okay. In any particular order? Yeah. I'll throw it at you and maybe you can think of some ways in which connective tissue does this function. Oh, okay.
1: All right? Protects. All right. Um, You mean give me an example of… How uh, connective tissue protects. protects. Okay. So um, bone. All right. Like um, the thorax. You've got ribs, sternum that protects your vital organs in there like your lungs and your heart. Very good. Or the skull. The skull is this helmet of bone. (laughs) (laughs) Protecting
2: Matt's walnut-sized brain. (laughs) So okay, that's, that's, right. a, that's a, okay great bone. So bone is connective tissue, and that's one way that's protect- that it can protect. Brilliant. All right, second function, uh, and obviously this isn't what we're going through isn't an exhaustive list. So that's not the only way connective tissue protects. Right? Okay. There's many ways, it's but other. these are examples. All right. Next is connective tissue supports. So how does it support?
1: Um. Oh, support, support, support. You mean like mechanically support? It, it's a wild card, how, up to you, how man. How I want to go with that. Yeah. Um, supports, supports. Maybe it just kind of puts together the other three tissues that you spoke of. So you have epithelium. Let's say the skin is an example. You have the epithelium, which is the outside, the a- epidermis. Yeah. Um, under that, um, if you go further down, you've got muscle Yeah. in some cases. And so you need to link them together. So sure. you need to support the two together by having connective tissue in between them yep. to support those other two to three tissue types. Sure. That one also sort of feeds into
2: the next one I'm going to say. No. But you're right. It's a polite way of saying uh, you're wrong. Another way is bones again. They support the weight of our body. Okay. Cartilage supports the joints, right? Forces moving through those those joints. Uh, the the Support is also like your kidneys, so they need to be supported. Otherwise, they're just going to be free floating throughout the body. So which, they need to which be they anchored.
1: Do. They they get anchored to the back wall. Yeah, on a better fat.
2: That's right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, one of the best bed. bed one of the bed <laughs> types you can have. That's right. One of the is best beds to bed, sleep on.
2: Silly <laughs> posture, purity,
1: but you can have a, a better fat. Um, right. If you lose too much fat. The uh, kidneys don't have that protection or that support and they just move up and down. That's right. They just float around. Yeah, floating Uh, kidneys, which is actually a thing.
2: That is a thing. Uh, So we've got protects, we've got supports. Third one is binds. Yes. Yes. It wraps stuff up,
1: right? So maybe um, around organs, so they put capsules on.
2: Yeah, it, that, uh, that's a perfect example. Most organs have a protective capsule around it. You see it with the kidneys, the spleen, other various structures. So there's binding. But also you've got like the intestines. Mesenteries. Yeah, they're all bound together. To you know, It's not like the movies when somebody gets eviscerated and they're pulling their intestines out like a line of sausages. It doesn't work like that. It's just one big heap.
1: We have to pull hard because we kind of do that in the um, – our first A and P lab, not so much with a human, um, but with or not a, at all with a human, with a cadaveric rodent. Yes, and the, t- the students do like pulling it out and making a big long uh, line of intestine just to see how long it is. But that connective tissue puts them into a nice uh, coordinated bundle. Exactly right. Mm. Beautiful. Coordinated bundle is a <laughs> great way of describing this podcast.
2: Uh, <laughs> transports. Connective uh, tissue transports blood. All right. And what's what needs to be transported in blood? Uh, let's
1: let's – oh, yeah, I guess – Heaps okay. of stuff in yeah. blood. Plasma, well, well, right? I was just trying to think of is plasma connected to tissue. I guess it is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fluid part. It's the ground substance. Yes. Uh, nutrients, oxygen, cells. Waste. Electrolytes.
2: Yeah, perfect. All right. And finally, last one, is immunity.
1: Okay. Well, that's the immune cells. Yeah. And uh, that would be an array of, um, <laughs> yeah, very good. Leukocytes? Yes. Okay. So White blood cells. Yeah. Lymph- lymphocytes or the granulocytes and yeah, the ones that coordinate activities with them. And don't th- but, don't forget lymphatic tissues as well. Oh yeah. Right. Connect. They're connective. So you could also add that to that um, repair. So after you have injury, yeah, the connective tissue is part of the repair. Process, Right. So that's they, good. Okay. Um, so you're adding to,
2: six to our list. Well,
1: maybe you just put that with defence. Did you have defence? Nope. What was that one, last one? Yes, yeah, so we've got seven now. What was the last one? Immunity. Immunity. Immunity, defence, repair, all together.
2: Okay. So yeah. you're just going to sell it as one thing. Yeah, I'm going to sell it yeah, one Fair thing. enough. That makes it easier for the students. So we've got five, <laughs> five functions. protect, supports, binds, transports and provides immunity – now, the reason why connective tissue can do all these extensive roles is because it has three really important properties. These properties include tensile strength, so it can resist like pulling, and stretching, stretching, and tearing. Stretching. tearing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got elasticity, so it can bounces back. back. Yeah, bounces back. So, like when I throw an insult at you, it just bounces straight back to me. So, elasticity, you can stretch it, snaps back to its original shape. Do we lose that? Shape.
1: Um, that's one of the things we lose over time, right? Particularly yep. about the skin.
2: That's right. That's right. Uh, and then finally, volume. So this is a, what people find to be an interesting one, is that connective tissue is actually really important at filling space. So a lot of the time, the space filling material so
1: is connective lip, lips. with your lips, filling that with space, that's the collagen that you add to it?
2: Yes, and, and filling it with other things like dermal fillers and so forth, which is probably just predominantly collagen, I see. Yeah, yeah. So they're the three properties that sort of allow for all these various functions. Tensile strength, elasticity and volume. Now, next part that we need to have a chat about is the fact that some connective tissues can be really hard like bone. Some can be semi-solid. Any examples that you can think of semi-solid connective tissue? Fat. Right, fat, adipose tissue. Yep, mm. that's, yep. any others? Um,
1: cartilage Cartilage. Maybe? Yeah. I'd say that's semi-solid because that's um, compressible, but like it, it takes upon the compressive uh, forces put through our bones. So it's usually one, one example: hyaline cartilage is at the end of the long bones, mm. and they kind of allow that force that goes through the bones and sh- like a shock absorber. Yep, but it's semi-solid.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's semi-solid, and then liquid, liquid blood. connected to, yeah, blood. So this is where students get confused because you, know, you, you, you know what nervous tissue is when you look at it. You know what muscle tissue is when you look at it. But connective tissue seems to be... Well, it can be bone, it can be cartilage, it can be fat, it can be this, it can be blood, it can be that. It can be a whole range of things. So then this question that I get asked by students is what makes a connective tissue connective tissue? And it's the fact that it, all connective tissue contains these three things in various quantities and various types, but they all contain these three things. Cells, gels... Fibers. Okay, so should we start and look at some of the cells of connective tissues? Let's do it. All right. There was a big thing. I was just
1: trying to think. Well, that'll do.
2: Oh, that'll do. Yeah. yeah. yeah let's okay. just
1: let's just cells.
2: All right. So I like to you know, correct me if you like to do it a different way, but I like to think about the cells that are the immature cells of connective tissue. So that my me the Barton cells. So the B for Barton. So think of the blasts and oh, then nice. the sites. These are the mature cells. These are the Michael cells of the, of the connective tissue.
1: Aren't they called the aging cells? Like let's the not, old?
2: Let's not call them that. We'll call them the mature. M-
1: mature. uh um, Highly attractive. Quinescent. Quiescent. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which means kind of retired. Yeah. Not too active anymore.
2: Yeah. Sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I plan on doing when I retire.
1: Okay. All
2: right, so we've got the blasts, which... So this is a suffix. This is the last part of the word. They're the immature building cells. They release the fibres, the gels and fibres. Yeah, they're, they doing, are,
1: they're doing stuff.
2: They're the builders, mm. right? And then you've got the sites. They're mature. They're sitting around. They're sort of just looking around the area, seeing eh, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be changed, what other things do I need to call upon,
1: All right? So Or, or they're, um, they've locked themselves into a space they can't get out of.
2: Yes. And I think we <laughs> spoke about that when we talked... spoke about bone yeah right um all right let's start with the blasts some important cell types that are blasts that you need to know for connective tissue probably one of the most important is fibroblasts okay yep so fibroblasts are the main immature cell type for many connective tissues a lot of the yeah they're the the, the
1: real king of connective tissue
2: they are aren't they so they make a a lot of like the, the what we call the loose connective tissues areola reticular things like that and
1: and and they can make all Dermal. all those fibers you spoke about. They pretty much make the lot. That's right.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I haven't spoken about any of them, but yeah.
1: Oh, you kind of did it at the start when you spoke about collagen and elastin. Yeah, and I didn't. I think you did. <laughs> I didn't. Okay.
2: You spoke about collagen in the lips, okay. but um, we we will get there. We will get there. All right. But they make that. Yeah, you're right. They make those fibers and the gels we're going to talk about shortly. So fibroblasts, super important. They make many types of connected tissues. Osteoblasts, what's bone, that? bone. Yeah, they're the bone builders. Chondroblasts, cartilage, cartilage builders. Uh, hemocytoblasts,
1: oh, blood. What type? Do you know? Bone marrow.
2: Yeah, so both red and white. Yeah. Yep. All right, and then you got, and that's not an exhaustive list of the blasts, but they're probably the most common. They they fill up most of the connective tissue types. Then you have got the mature connective tissue cells, adipocytes. Yep. Which are fat. Yep. Yeah. Uh, osteocytes.
1: Oh, so they're just blasts that are retired.
2: Yep. So mature bone cells. Conjocytes.
1: Yeah, so they're the cartilage cells that are again retired. Erythrocytes. Red blood cells. And leukocytes. White blood cells. And obviously others, but
2: there we go. They're the cells. Right, so depending on the type of connective tissue depends on the cell. Or I should probably reword that and say the type of cell depends on the type of connective tissue. Yeah. Right? So the next thing is the gels. You must have gels. Are we going to come back
1: to the cells. Not really,
2: oh, okay. unless you want to talk about. I more think we should do them. a little bit. Okay.
1: Um. Well, just with the because with the cells, because that's going to kind of dictate what tissue they create. Yeah. Okay. I just and, said that. Yeah. That's um, okay. But you but just, just to don't listen
2: to anything I'll say. <laughs>
1: um. Another way we could kind of do a degree of categorization with these cells is whether they are uh, fixed within the tissue right, or right. they migrate into the tissue from Ooh. another area. Okay. Okay. So can we really quickly yeah. go back
2: all the way to the w- beginning, Matt? Talk well, about embryology? Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, I was joking,
1: you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Really quickly. No? Right, yes, no, go, please. No, no, do, please do it. Do it. Okay. Um, well we we all started <laughs> we all started with uh, a zygote. Do you agree? You had three goats, I
2: think. Okay,
1: so sperm, egg together. Now we have a single cell zygote. That's well, where we all began. Wish that's what dad told me. <laughs> <laughs> then we um, progressively uh, replicated, so that one cell became two, and so on, so on, so on. So all right. On. Okay. Transport because this is this all began in the fallopian tube. Transport a few weeks until we're in the, the uterus. Let's say at about three weeks we change that cluster of cells into three broad um, groupings. Groupings, yeah. yeah. We have the ectoderm, right? the endoderm, yep. and we have the mesoderm. Okay. I'm not going to go too far into this. Doesn't
2: that just mean outer, middle, and
1: inner? Yep, that's right. Yep. Ectoderm pretty much makes your skin, so your outer wrapping and your central nervous system. All right. Okay. All right. The endoderm is just the pipes inside. All right. Pretty much the gut. Ooh. And the mesoderm yeah. is everything else. Connected so tissue Does pretty much connected all the connective tissue? tissue that's made comes from the mesoderm all right. now at this point the cells that start to differentiate from the mesoderm is what we call mesenchymal right okay, okay. So that makes sense mesenchymal stem cell is pretty much all those connective tissue cells that you mentioned come so from like this like
2: fibroblasts and yeah. osteoblasts right. and they're all mesenchymal that's right they cells. come
1: they come from that all right okay and there's an important just just distinction that we should make here the difference between a stem cell yes and a progenitor cell oh what is it do you know the difference
2: um i think a stem cell can become anything and a progenitor cell goes down one particular lineage Yeah, am i totally wrong
1: i know you're pretty much right a stem cell though has the capacity to keep renewing itself right okay so a good example was the hemopoietic stem cell Yep. so that sits in the bone marrow okay but it has the capacity to regenerate itself to so to stay as a stem cell. Yes. But as it goes down a lineage, it becomes a pleuro or a potent cell. So now as it goes down, it can only – so it could, it could have a lympho, a lymphoblast or a myeloid blast. They can only go down a certain line yeah, now. So limited. lympho – now it can only become a lymphocyte or a natural killer cell. Right. Or the myeloids can become granul- granulocytes or – um, red blood cells. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. But they sense. can't renew themselves anymore.
2: So they're progenitor
1: cells. Progenitor. Right. But the stem cell that sits back in the bone marrow, it it is still a stem cell, right? so to speak. Okay. So, so at this point,
2: got the mesenchymal stem cells now.
1: So this, the mesenchymal will make the majority of your connective tissue, but right. there's one group that, you know, it's kind of a, a strange one, but um, as the embryo is developing, you have this kind of bulgy sac at the front, which they call. You've kept by the look of it. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It's kept the yolk (laughs) sac. That is making stem cells to produce blood. So Ah. in the baby or the the very early embryo, that's making the blood cells. So that's where the hemopoietic stem cells are. Okay, okay. Then as the embryo develops, they migrate into the liver and spleen and they take over doing the blood cells. All right. But as we get closer to being born, they migrate further and then they go into the bones. Uh-huh. And so they become your hemopoietic stem cells. And so now, as an or as a, a what's just an adult. Yeah. I was gonna say a born human. Yes. Um, <laughs> you could. I mean they're both two words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the hemopoietic stem cells, so the ones that will make the connective tissues from all the blood driven yes. products come from that one population of cells.
2: Okay. What's the point of this?
1: Well, it just tells you that's one where one uh, where it originated from. Yeah, and the others, all the other ones you mentioned, are from the mesenchymal stem cells.
2: All right. So okay. some some migrate there, and some reside.
1: So now with the hematopoietic stem cells, yeah, they're at least the stem cells. They are fixed within bone marrow, but as soon as they start to come. Into a progenitor progenitor cell and then become more like their functional uh, outcome. Yep. Then they move into the blood. Okay, so now they migrate in the blood, move around the blood, and then when there's potentially an issue, they will move off into the tissue.
2: When there's an issue, they move off in the tissue. Right. So, Is that I how you mean, get students to remember? It?
1: Besides, like red blood cells, they will stay. They'll stay in the blood f- forever okay. until they die, at least. But all the white blood cells, they will move out. Oh. does it make sense? Yeah. So that they're therefore migrating or migrant uh, connected tissue cells. Gotcha. Cool. That's cool. But interestingly, if you took up, you know, no, you, no, it'd be
2: good to hear something interesting. You know,
1: when you did the pile of cells for me. Yes. Yeah. 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 About forty percent of those cells. Yeah. Somewhere between forty to sixty percent is only one cell type. Red blood cells. Yeah. <sighs> Isn't wow. that amazing? Okay. So the, your majority of the cells Operative are actually red blood cells. Red in there for you. <laughs> yeah. so the,
2: uh, okay. I that's, thought that was cool. No, that is cool. That's so the, that was so the most important thing, so the most interesting thing you said in the past 15 minutes. So then so. you
1: have the fixed cells that are actually locked in the tissue. They can't really move out and yeah. around and so forth. That's going to be all the resident cells. That's going to be the ones you mentioned, like the blasts. Right. But they still come from the mesenchymal cells and that still gives them a capacity to regenerate that population yes and that's where all the i don't know if this is a safe thing to say the quackery with stem cell yeah. therapies yep. where they're injecting mesenchymal stem cells oh, yeah. into your blood and they're, they're like it, it to... will go to the right location and regenerate your cartilage or your ligaments or whatever it doesn't work like that um there obviously there's good Research being done to say if you were to take a mesocombostan cell and put it into, say, a degenerative joint, whether that has capacity, but just to throw it into your blood and think it will go yeah. miraculously into that area to regenerate it.
2: Yeah, it's… Uh, Questionable. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Well, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought
1: that was all right. <laughs> it was good. Yeah,
2: I Look, it's my job… To, to hang hang crap on you, Matt. Sure but, do. It's and harsh. No, well, it feels good. It feels good to do it. Uh, all right. So done with I've cells? I'm done. I'll just
1: leave the room. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no. I
2: need you to be here because otherwise I'll be talking to um, to a wall. I
1: it. It's probably no different. A wall, of, a wall of osteoblasts.
2: <laughs> all right. Cells, gels and fibres. We just okay, did so the cells. We did cells. Yep. Uh, gels. So in actual fact, they're not called gels. They're called ground substance. Okay. Uh, and basically it creates the fluid-rich environment that all the components of the connective tissue sit within. Bathe. Yeah, that's right. So all the all the cells, all the fibres, all the other chemicals are sitting within the gels or the ground substance. And in actual fact, the ground substance is made up of four major things. Water is a big one. Gags,
1: right? Which uh, Glossopharyngeal nerve. No, oh, no,
2: sorry. nor is it... Uh, anyway, uh, it's glycosaminoglycans.
1: I'm glad you said that. Yep. Okay. Uh, we'll stick with gags, yeah. Yep. I can see why you did that.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh, proteoglycans yeah. and glycoproteins. Now, does it annoy
1: why you? Why are those two? Yeah. Why are they revert? Like, Isn't it frustrating? Does it mean just the, the amount? One's yeah. got more sugar on a protein and the other one's more protein or sugar? Yeah, man, that's pretty much it. So, uh, Thanks, dude. Proteo... <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> proteoglycans, proteins with sugars, glycoproteins, sugars with proteins. Right? It's stupid, but they're very similar. But I'll tell you the differences in a sec. Right? All right. So, water, glycosaminoglycans or GAGs, uh, proteoglycans and glycoproteins. So let's first start where well, we know what water is, so we don't have to worry about that. Let's first start with the GAGs, okay. the glycosaminoglycans. So these are these long unbranched chains of complex carbohydrates. So they're carbs. And they're found in all the different... Like cartilage? Yeah. Well, they're found in all the different... This is like
1: glucosamine?
2: Uh, Yes. So if you think about the different types of GAGs, right, you've got the chondroitin sulfate, Mm -hmm. heparin sulfate, keratin sulfate, hyaluronic acid. So they're all different types of glycosaminoglycans. Okay. Um, They all slightly perform different functions depending on where they are. So for example, hyaluronic acid uh, is in joints plays a really important role as like a shock absorber and lubricant, all right? Now, I want you to have a think of the proteoglycans now. The proteoglycans are basically always attached to the GAGs. So the GAGs and proteoglycans together and the proteoglycans allow for – like the glycosaminoglycans, to really absorb water, to hold on to water. Okay. So it plays a really important role in the uh, connective tissue to bulk it up and obviously in cartilage it's very important when it comes to providing that bulk for shock absorption and so forth. Mm. Um, But it also just maintains like the integrity of the joint as well. Uh, Sorry, the integrity of that connective tissue. Then when you look at something like a, a glycoprotein, it doesn't really attach to... GAGs, but it has a – like an example of a a glycoprotein is fibronectin and laminin, right, and they form cross-linking – in the, ex, in, in the ground substance, okay. also known as the extracellular matrix.
1: Well, actually, the extracellular matrix is the ground substance and the fibres together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: that's right. And So I was going to
1: say that earlier then, but I knew you'd criticise me. Because I hadn't
2: spoken about the fibres yet? Yeah. Correct. So the glycoproteins, they play an important role in cell signalling, regulating cell behaviour and tissue repair as well. They also act as cell adhesion molecules, mm. they promote cell-to-cell interaction and they maintain integrity. So at the end of the day, the way I think about it, is that glycosaminoglycans and proteoglycans are bound together. The different types of each is dependent on the different connective tissue type and they all play a slightly different role. But at the end of the day, they mostly play an important role in just pulling water in towards that tissue. Okay, That's important. They play other roles but that's really important. The glycoproteins like the uh, fibronectin and laminin, they play an extensive role like I just said, cell signalling, behaviour, um, cell adhesion, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so these are the major constituents of the ground substance. Does that make sense? It does. All right. Then finally we've got the fibres. Now like you said, the ground substance plus the fibres is the extracellular matrix. It's basically the whole thing that everything's embedded in. So when we have a look at the fibres, what are the three fibre types?
1: My guess would be collagen. Yep. Do I have to say anything more? No, we'll go okay. through them all. Collagen, elastin and reticular fibres.
2: Perfect. Let's start with collagen fibres. Before I describe what it looks like, when you – oh, you're a vegetarian so there's, you don't eat
1: steak. There's different – So that's just ruined my example here. Keep going. I've eaten steak before. You have? Yeah.
2: Okay. So when you eat a steak and you get that real chewy part, it's real white and, and glossy and you chew, chew, chew and you just can't break it down, mm. That's collagen. Collagen is tough. Collagen is strong. Collagen provides that tensile strength within connective tissue. As a fibre, it's like a metal rod that's placed within the tissue, providing that strength. You compare that to like elastic fibres, which is like a rubber band, you put that into tissue, it just makes it stretchy so that it can snap back. Right. Very different to the collagen. Yep. And then the reticular fibres, they look like feathers. So they, they provide like networks. Mm -hmm. Right? And so the type of tissue that they're in are tissues that require a very sort of mesh-like, network-like structure, like uh, lymphatic tissue, for example. Like the spleen. Like the spleen. Perfect. That's filled with reticular fibres. So... Collagen for strength, elastin for stretch and reticular fibres for mesh-like networks to be able to hold and wrap things together, which sort of describes connective tissue perfectly. Right. So depending on the connective tissue, like if you've got something like bone, you're probably going to have a lot of collagen fibres. ...embedded within it. If you've got something like spleen... ...you're going to have a lot of reticular fibres. If you've got like a stretchy artery... ...the wall of the artery, the connective tissue wall... ...it's going to have huge amounts of elastic tissue... Mm. ...embedded in it. Now you take that into consideration... ...with the differences in extracellular matrix... ...and ground substance... ...and then the different cells... ...and now you can sort of see why it's all so variable... ...going from bone to cartilage to blood... ...to whatever it may be. Does that make sense? it does. All right. So I... When I put it all together, the analogy I use with my students is like making jelly. You got that aeroplane jelly mix. Do mm-hmm. they have aeroplane jelly in other countries? Yeah. I'd... Can you I'd... sing the song, the, the aeroplane jelly theme song?
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.
2: I like like aeroplane aeroplane. jelly, aeroplane Aeroplane jelly for me.
1: me. I like like it for dinner. I like it it's tea. tea. A little each day is a good recipe. Yeah. I'm not sure that's true though.
2: No. It sounds pretty…
1: Is that just collagen?
2: uh, The the, the jelly? Yeah. I don't know what it's made out of. But… Let's just say it's not Gelatine, gelatin, 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 right? gelatin. So let's okay, so it's made out of gelatin, but we know what jelly's like, right? Really wobbly, really unstable. But if I were to take some metal, little metal rods and place it in the jelly, it would make it more solid, mm. right? Or if I was to put more elastic like rubber bands or whatever what are, what's another name for rubber bands? elastic bands, elastic right? Bands. Chuck them in the jelly. It's going to allow for it to really stretch and move and be able to snap back. Or if I would or put feathers in it, again, it's creating this mesh-like network. What would the feathers do? Uh, create a mesh-like <laughs> network inside <laughs> of it. All right, the analogy falls short once I hit that, but but you get the picture that I'm trying to make, right? Hopefully. Maybe you don't. Uh, so that's how connective tissue. That's sort of like the histology of connective tissues. Yeah. Cells, gels, fibers. Finally, we need to talk about Categorizing connective tissue.
1: So basically, we've set it up now that we un- we've first spoken about the different functions of connective tissue. Yep. Then we've said what are the components. Yep. And now by changing the uh, the components in percentage wise, it will then cause an outcome that will then provide us with how we then categorize connective tissue.
2: Yeah. So the tissue types, the connective tissue types. Right. Do you want me to start broad and then go more specific? Yeah. Uh, There's three main main types of connective tissue. You've got connective tissue proper, supporting connective tissue, and then fluid connective tissue. Okay. So connective tissue proper. The way I like to think about it is this is the proper connective tissue. When you think of connective tissue of the body, this is the connective tissue you're thinking about. The stuff that anchors the organs of the body, the stuff that sticks the skin down to more deeper layers of the body, this is the connective tissue that you think of. Okay. Right? Then what was the second one? Supporting
1: connective tissue.
2: This supports the body. So, so how does
1: this not fit into the proper one then? Well, I don't think of
2: bone and cartilage as connective oh, tissue. Okay, Maybe right? you
1: could, we could call this special then.
2: Yeah, or supporting,
1: like I said. No, I like special because <laughs> right. it end sounds like it sits outside.
2: All right. We can say that. We'll say special slash yep. supporting. <laughs> so that's going to be bone and, and cartilage. And then you've got fluid, which is yep. blood. blood. Right. So let's start with the connective tissue proper. So there's actually, fortunately for us, or unfortunately for the students, two subcategories here. Under connective tissue proper, you've got dense connective tissue, and loose connective tissue. Right,
1: that make, that makes sense. Okay, in what way? What that category? Yeah, yeah. Well, dense to me would it would kind of indicate that the probably the fibers are jam packed together in bundles.
2: All of it, really. Yeah. Or all everything's jam packed, okay. even cells. Okay.
1: Um, whereas loose is loosely arranged, loosey goosey. Yeah, yeah. But uh, not to the extent where it's fluid.
2: Yes, perfect. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So dense. Everything's densely packed, loose, things are loosely packed. Now under dense connective tissue you've got dense regular, dense irregular and elastic. So dense regular is obviously everything's densely packed but the fibres are regularly arranged. Yeah. So all like parallel to one another, like all facing in the one direction. What would that mean if you got connective tissue with all the fibres in the one direction?
1: They'll probably provide some kind of integrity, some kind of support um, in the direction that they're running. So... Um, preventing a structure getting pulled apart in that one-directional manner. Yeah, perfect. So, like ligaments and
2: tendons, yeah. they will generally cross joints, for example, and they are ten- they tend to be pulled in only one particular direction.
1: And that's like the tendons in the direction of the muscles yeah. pull in. Yeah, if uh, the ligaments, they're bone to bone, yeah. so the, the 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 weak the weak. Range of motion, not the range of motion, but the way the joint moves, probably in the, the weakest position it can be and you put these ligaments to give it greater support.
2: Yeah. Ligaments and tendons, that's a type of dense regular
1: connective tissue. Also the fascia, right? Fascia aponeurosis. Yep. Yes, yes. Which, which may be l- l- not as dense as ligaments and tendons, but still.
2: It, yeah, I think um, I think fascia is loose connective tissue. Okay. Yeah, fa- I'm quite sure fascias lose, lose connective tissue. Um, then you've got dense irregular. So this is where the fibres are irregularly orientated. So it sort of looks like they're just arranged randomly. Why would that be the case?
1: Uh, I would imagine then the mechanical depressions or the forces are going in all sorts of different ways. Yeah. So like, maybe under the skin? Yeah, dermis. Yeah.
2: Perfect. Yeah. So obviously that's going to receive forces from multiple angles. So the dermis. And then finally under dense connective which again sits under connective tissue proper is elastic connective connective tissue so these are like the walls of our arteries okay so left side of the heart contracts pushes blood out stretches those arteries they need to be able to snap back to give us that diastolic blood value and that's elastic tissue okay so that's its own category it's its own category yeah but it sits under dense connective tissue because it's densely packed then we've got loose connective tissue, still under the connective tissue proper. This is three categories. Adipose, which
1: is? Fat. Right. Yep. Areola, which is sort of like the connective tissue that... Would you say with adipose, yeah. it's the one of the only examples where the fluid or the ground substance is actually in the cell instead of outside it? Oh. Because you'd say... Oh, yeah. Wow, I never even thought about that. Because you'd say, yeah, yeah. In terms of connective tissue, yeah, the ground substance. No, actually, well, let's just—is it, it inside or yeah, is it outside? That's inside. So that's the. i never f- even thought about that's that. That's the lipid droplet. Yeah, but it's is the, that
2: the is that the ground substance? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing! I never thought about it. Like so you've,
1: that. If you look at adipocyte, it's a yeah. big round globule or fat. Yeah, and if you looked at because it's it, metabolically active. If you look at it histologically, yeah, it looks like it has a ring around it. That's the cytoplasm. Mm. And it will have the uh, nucleus, which you can see is logically... ...but all the middle looks empty. Wow. And so that's just the fat. Didn't even think about
2: that. That's awesome to think about. Good point. Next is areola. So areola is the connective tissue of the deep structures of the body. It's the one that like supports and binds and holds all the... ...mainly gastrointestinal viscera together... ...but obviously other structures but it's supporting and binding and holding the deeper structures. Then you've got reticular, and this forms, remember the reticular fibres are like sort of feathers, forming a mesh-like network, plays an important role, like filtration, for example. Think of the lymphatic tissue like the spleen. Mm -hmm. That's going to be reticular. So those three, adipose, uh, areolar, and reticular, they're loose connective tissue, again, sitting under connective tissue proper. Then finally, well, not finally, but the second one is the special connective tissue or the support. Thank you, thank you. Bone and cartilage. Bone is bone. We know what bone is. We've done a whole episode on bone or multiple. But
1: interestingly with bone, like you were saying earlier, when you're talking about the the rods in it, and I may have said this when we did the the bone, but when you create cement, Mm. okay, so if you want to lay down a concrete path, if you were to just it's not a euphemism, is it? I don't think so. Right. If you were just to put the concrete down and nothing else, yeah, it would have strength in its compressile manner, yeah, but it would be very weak in. I'm not sure what that plane of mo- movement is. Yeah, um, it's good for a podcast.
2: <laughs> At least this is going to be up like on the it, YouTube. Channel. If you were,
1: if you were, yeah, that's right. If you were walking on it, or if you put something heavy on top of the path, it would break. It, it would break because it's not strong yeah. in that particular.
2: So vertical forces. Yeah, I guess so.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. So what they add to the concrete path is steel rods. Right. And that gives it that strength in that plane. Like putting the collagen into the bone. Right. So that's kind of where I was going with it. With yeah. bone, the osteoblasts lay down the collagen fibres yep. and then it becomes calcified mm. with calcium and phosphate, which what's that term called? i um, got a mind blank. Calcified. Yeah, just that term though doesn't matter. Yeah, you're just adding a salt to it, which then gives it a different degree of strength. Yeah, okay, and that then provides um, its structural integrity. Cool. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Whereas the other one, what was the other one? Cartilage. Cartilage, which then is interesting because then, like again, don't roll your eyes, but if you look at bones before they're made, they were cartilage before bones, mostly, right? Like yeah, most. Those,
2: but they're like a cartilage precursor too, right? Right. It's not like the, our so current were, cartilage.
1: No, but there was like the bone w- which talking was… About like, when
2: we were children.
1: Yeah, so there were chondrocytes and then that osteoblast migrated and change yes. the form, the ground substance, into more bone-like. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that kind of allows our bones to lengthen. Yeah. Still gave the cartilage plate to stay open, which allows it to grow, mm. and then eventually that os- ossifies itself… To then close off. Yeah. So, it's interesting that that kind of has its own kind of differentiation yeah. or change yeah. between these two specialized groups. Yeah. So with the cartilage. Yes. Then we have further groups, right? Three, three. So we have a hyaline. Yeah, hyaline, and that's at end of the end of the bones. Yeah,
2: very glossy, very shiny, very smooth.
1: Providing uh, articulating surface, friction free. Um, movement, Yeah.
2: Knee, hip, shoulder, any joint, any like um, synovial joint.
1: But then you have additional, in, or at least say the knee, yeah. then you have additional highland cartilage that- That's fibrocartilage. Sh- oh, meniscus. the meniscus. Oh, the meniscus, is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, like, we'll then go to fibrous cartilage. Now. Yeah. Yeah, so
2: fibrocartilage <laughs> is like the meniscus of the knee for compressive- resistance. So that just increases
1: the, the congruency of the, the joint? Yeah. Because it's a fairly unstable- Joint, yeah, until you put the meniscus in,
2: yes, that's right, and you get uh, fibrocartilage in the vertebrae
1: as well, okay. And between your pubis, yes, or pubi, yep,
2: yep, right, yep,
1: that's right. Um, what about your uh, epiglottis?
2: That's going to be elastic, oh, is it elastic? Okay. Um, uh, cartilage, so that's the third, that's the third type, ear, ear, and epiglottis. Yeah, a bit in the nose, but mainly epiglottis and ear. That's the elastic cartilage. Okay. Yeah. And then finally, fluid connective tissue. And that's blood. Which is blood. Yeah. So it obviously has very few fibres in it. Otherwise, the more fibres and the more glycosaminic glycans. That's that's, a clot and and then
1: you're going to... Have some problems.
2: That's true actually because obviously the types of fibres that we have in blood are going to be those that help with clotting.
1: Which will be inactive most of the time. But it solidifies it, Fibrinogen.
2: It It solidifies it, hence the clot. Mm. Um, And yeah, fibrin, fibrinogen, these are all fibres that play a role in the
1: connective tissue fibres but they clot things up. Mm. So that's, you know… And platelets which is an important cell for kind of modulating or initiating that clot.
2: Yes, that's exactly right.
1: But… Yes. How are we going for time? No, we, we're good, we're good. Okay, because there's a um, a cell that I briefly want to talk about. Mm. I know we're going back to to cells, but I think this brings in an important clinic. Do,
2: have to, do we have to go back through sperm, eating the egg and everything <laughs> again,
1: No, we'll skip that. Right. What's one of the most abundant, I guess you'd say it is kind of a migrant cell, but then becomes a resident. It's found everywhere in your connective tissue. Macrophage? Bar... Central nervous system. Macrophages close. Neutrophils? No. I think they only come out when there's really some serious issues. But what? What is what, it? What's, what's this function that you're talking about here with macrophages and immune? Okay, they're eaters. Yeah. So what initiates an immune response in the connective tissue? Um.
2: Well, a couple of cells. Mast cells. Mast cells. That's it. Ah. Okay. So the
1: mast cell. Yeah. The mast cells are the connective tissue immune cells. Right, so they yeah. sit in the connective yes, tissue, yes, yes. and when there's any kind of trauma, anything from mechanical injury, uh, physical injury, chemical injury, thermal injury, yeah. they will be activated. Right, and they are an immune cell that has granules inside them, and they vomit them out when That's they a nice way when, to it. when they. <laughs> When they get um, okay, all right. Technically, they did granulate. Oh, okay, okay, but which is pooping, pooping That's... or vomiting um, everywhere? Yeah. And do they pass out after that? No, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I think they stay alive. Okay, but good question. Oh yeah, having this go at me, very good. <laughs> um, so by doing so, then they bring in those other immune cells in it. But yeah. the reason why I'm bringing this up, yeah, well, some we're all asking some quite significant clinical issues go wrong when these cells are overzealous. let's say.
2: Right. And is is this just hay
1: fever? Could be hay fever because yeah. that's going to be well, – what's hay fever? Well, isn't that – Is that just a, a cluster of symptoms? or Is that like a, a – is it a condition with multiple things happening?
2: Yeah, I suppose it is. So I always just think about it as like a, a hypersensitivity reaction.
1: It is, but w- – when you say hay fever, what 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 are the symptoms? Well, Iads. every
2: time I go to R- bale some hay in, <laughs> at the back in the barn,
1: rhinorrhea. Excuse me. So your nose runs. Pretty sure I went to school with rhinorrhitis. Uh, Rhinoitis. Rhinitis. Yeah. Yeah. So you know your nose runs or yeah. it gets inflamed. Yes. Yeah. Eyes. Yeah, Watering. Anything else? Um, uh, Closed maybe up airways. Maybe sinuses. Yeah, and then it goes down to the lungs. So um, hay fever, yes, but also atopic asthma, so allergic-based asthma. Which is a hypersensitivity rate. That's right, Yep. One or two, do you remember? It's one. But you can go further and make it whole body.
2: Oh. And then that's anaphylaxis. Anaphylaxis. (sighs) Boy, okay.
1: So the the way that this works is essentially your…
2: Wait, so anaphylaxis is a connective tissue dysfunction.
1: Well, yeah, it's because it's from a connective tissue cell. Yeah, interesting. Okay. So. so essentially, can I really just say really quickly how it happens?
2: Thanks, everyone. Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, go, 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 go. Are we doing anaphylaxis or, or an allergy?
2: No, no, I want you to just say what you were going to say.
1: Okay. Yeah. Pick an allergen that you want to get allergic to.
2: Oh, peanut butter protein.
1: Okay, we'll just say peanut, peanuts. Um. So you ingest it yep. um, for the first time. Uh, your body sees it as foreign. So it sees there's something going on with this yep. we need to deal with. Well, actually, it's probably your macrophages, right. which is also an immune cell. which Sorry, a connective tissue cell. Right. If we're going to be technical, yep. right?
2: Hence why so, I said macrophages earlier.
1: So they um, gobble it up. Yep. They can't get rid of it in a, a way that a person who doesn't have an allergy to peanuts would. They So they see it as, oh, there's something wrong with this peanut uh, protein. I'm going to present it. Mm. I'm going to... Break it up, but then present it on like a on flag outside on the surface. Okay, and yep. along comes a T helper cell, also a connective tissue cell. Yes. Uh, so this is a lymphocyte, but it's specifically a T, which uh, matured in the thymus, kind of the top of your neck, no, bottom of your neck. Yeah. Um, it um, communicated with a. Are you looking at your watch. No. Communicated with your macrophage and then said, "Hey, we should probably build up an antibody against this foreign thing, which yep. is which is the uh, peanut." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. B-cell, come along, please, because I needed you to make some antigens. Oh, copy, Sorry, antibodies for copy me. Copy
2: itself over and over and over. So
1: Plasma cells, antibodies. Clones it, makes it into a plasma cell, pumps out the uh, antibody. This antibody is an IgE-based antibody. Right. So we've got okay. an army now Okay.
2: trained to fight this protein.
1: Right. But these antibodies, which are IgE-typed, will get flooded into the body, but they bind to mast cells. Right. Now the mast cell is primed. Why are
2: they binding to mast cells? The
1: the mast cells have a particular receptor for IgE antibodies. Okay. But in this case it's seen as a foreign agent that you should be – just like a a bacteria or a virus that you want to encounter later to kill off quickly. But in this case it sees a peanut protein as that foreign thing. Okay. So now it's primed. So now the second exposure comes.
2: So first exposure you're all good? Probably. Yeah. Second exposure though. Now
1: it's going to be problematic. So now you're exposed to it. the army. Now every mast cell that gets exposed to a peanut protein. Poops out its chemicals. Will vomit everywhere, histamine and. Huge amounts of vasodilation. Now now you just, now basically say where all the connected tissue that mast cells are located, around blood vessels, around your bronchioles, around your lips and nose and around your gut. (sighs) And they all cause a response. So, in your inflammatory response. Inflammatory response. So, yeah. your bronchioles will close up. Yeah. Can't breathe. Your blood vessels will dilate. Yeah. So, blood pressure drops. Bo- blood pressure goes through the floor. Through the floor, not through the roof. Right. Um, None of your organs your get guts, fed because your, of that. It's, your guts feel like they're spasming because yeah. they're all contracting. Um, the skin gets uh, hives because all the blood vessels are dilating your skin, so you get rashes, yep. tongue swells up. So this is now an anaphylactic response. You
2: can die pretty quick.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so this could be anything. It could doesn't it be just uh, peanuts. It could be bee stings. Yep. It could be penicillin. So anaphylaxis is a connective tissue disease. Yeah, yeah you like that? I
2: like that. No, that, that was, was a good one. Was it, wor- it, was it, it then- worth –
1: the time, that's uh, what I want to ask. That
2: I'm, I'm yet to determine. <laughs> uh, but we do need to finish off there. That is connective tissue. I do want to read some emails though from our listeners. Yeah, I had one
1: as well, but I don't know if my internet's working. Yes, it is, but you right. go first.
2: I'll go first. So uh, we love reading out your emails. Uh, we receive a lot of them and we now plan on reading as many of them as possible. Uh, so one email I've got here from Dean. All right, Dean. Uh, Hi guys, really enjoy your show. I'm a registered nurse working in Perth. That's the other side of the country that we live in. A few episodes ago, I believe it was the episode related to blood pressure, there was a reference to diastolic blood pressure and a brief mention on what consists of diastolic blood pressure. This got me interested in what makes the diastolic blood pressure what it is. I'm just skipping ahead a little bit and here it says, My question is, what are the determining factors for the diastolic blood pressure to be what it is? All right,
1: so so why why do you have why do you still have a pressure yep. when the heart is relaxing? Like, yep. why doesn't it just drop to zero?
2: Because of the elastic recall of our arteries. Where do you get
1: where do you get elastic from?
2: From my friend, the elastic fibers that the connective tissue or the uh, the fibroblasts produce. So, so, so yep. you got so remember it's dense connective tissue and it's elastic. And so when the left-hand side of the heart contracts, it pumps, that's called systole, and it pumps blood out at a pressure of 120 millimetres of mercury, worth of pressure, and that stretches those stretchy arteries. Then once it the recoils. heart relaxes, it snaps back and recalls. That's the definition of an elastic connective tissue. So
3: like
1: really new uh, underwear.
2: Like really new underwear, right, which I haven't had for a long time, snaps back. And continues to propagate that blood mm. at a particular pressure, generally at around about eighty millimeters of mercury worth of pressure, and that's where the diastolic reading comes from.
1: When you get like like the underpants that age over time and then you lose that elasticity, yeah. does that happen with blood vessels, or does does it do the opposite? They become too like,
2: hardened. hardened. They become hardened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Do you want to talk about that? Or should I keep going? No, keep going. Okay. So so that's one factor is the elastic recoil of the arteries. If they become hardened, like you were saying, you get less elastic recoil. And therefore you get a widened pulse pressure because if the elastic recoil is reduced, you get less of a continued pushing force for the diastolic value. So you get it's harder to push down. Yeah, so you get a bigger gap. Bigger gap between the diastolic and the systolic. So that's one factor is the elastic recoil. But the other factor includes what's the blood pressure downstream? So if your organs, if there's a high pressure at some of your downstream organs, the afterload is going to be greater, which means it's harder for the diastolic value, it's so harder is that, for the elastic that to push phenomenon that.
1: Phenomenon being regulated locally more than systemically. It, that's right.
2: So local regulation and this can happen through like your muscles, muscles receive a huge amount of blood, especially as you're in exercise. But if something happens where certain chemicals are being released and they vasoconstrict the blood vessels at the muscles. The pressure is going to back up. It's going to be harder for the diastolic value to, or the diastolic pressure to push that blood through. So that can be a factor as well. Another factor depends on how hard your heart needs to pump. And so if you're laying down, you, your systolic value, if that's low, your diastolic value
1: is going to be low as well. Would also impact with this be more systolic, but the viscosity of your blood, like how thick it is, Would that. Yeah, also look, I would say a, so
2: because the. That has to do with like the dynamics of the blood flow mm. going through so and that would impact the pressure. Absolutely. yeah. But at the end of the day, the main thing that causes or alters or is responsible for our diastolic pressure is the elastic recall of our arteries. Okay. So that is an email from Dean. Dean, I hope that answered your question. Thank you so much for your email. Matt, do you have an email?
1: I've got an email from Jasmine. Yeah, uh, She said she has just finished listening to our podcast on the cardiovascular system. Cool. Um, she's also a nurse and she was very grateful. She learnt about from the podcast why we get postural drop. Cool. Okay. And also now the technical or the technicality of why we have S1, S2. Lub dub. Lub dub. Yep. Heart sounds. So she was very thankful. She said, um, thank you guys so much. I'm an avid listener now. I really appreciate I'll buy you a coffee. Deal. Or, or even put a catheter in if need be all right uh, like, and but she me, said she'll that draw one. the line with a manual evac so oh, my okay. guess yeah. my, my guess there is like um your constipation
2: yeah decompacted um uh, like an enema you know what i'll take the coffee coffee enema where where, <laughs> where where is this person based
1: i don't think it was stated is this jasmine jasmine
2: all right jasmine uh That coffee sounds good. Matt and I will take you up on that. Uh, Final email. I've got an email here from George. George said, Hey, Dr. Matt, Dr. Mike, just want to give you a huge thanks for the amazing podcast. It got me through my first semester of anatomy and listening to you guys explain certain topics has put me down this rabbit hole of learning. I love that. That's why we do it, right? I'm glad I found you guys early in my medical endeavour. I'm a professional boxer from Los Angeles. How cool is that? Be careful. Yeah, well, Don't I mean... do offend
1: this listener.
2: No, no, George, um, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> we love you a lot. Um, Los Angeles, California, and enjoy relating medical topics you guys um, discuss about and uh, particularly when it comes to sport. Question... I was listening to Body Fluids Hydration Podcast and was curious on the type of dehydration that occurs when fighters are losing weight. All right. So if you think about this, a fighter needs to make their fight weight. Now, they may be, let's just say we're going to go in kilograms because we're Australian. They need to fight at 65 kilograms, but their normal body weight might be 75 kilograms. All
1: right. So they're going to lose 15Ks. That's right. Say
2: 75? Yeah. So 10K, 10 kilograms. So they need to lose 10 kilograms, right? Now, the easiest way to lose weight is to lose water. That's the only reason why they do it, is simply to make weight. It's nothing to do with... They're going
1: to say chop off your leg, but... They could, but if it's... Make it difficult.
2: Difficult to to fight, that's for sure. Move around the ring. Absolutely. So they lose water weight. Now, they do things like hop in a sauna... They wear like a plastic bag and or garbage bag um, to promote Where? sweating, just over like a like a sweatsuit. Okay. They wear a sweatsuit. They exercise. They do a lot of heat based trainings. So you can't.
1: You can't do diuretics anymore.
2: No, you can't do diuretics. That's that's illegal, illegal. as far as I'm aware in most fighting sports. So the the water mass that they're losing is through sweat, and so sweat is while it's both um, electrolytes and water. It's mostly water, and at the end of the day, you're going to lose more water than electrolytes. So you're going to have a lot of extracellular fluid loss, and so a, hypo, a hypotonic hypo, contraction. Hypotonic contraction. That's right. Now that's fine in well, relatively fine in the short term, but you need to rehydrate very quickly and get those electrolytes back in as well. So one of the things they used to do was just go straight back on an IV after, because the weigh-in's usually like 24 hours before the fight, sometimes 48 hours before the fight. And so they'll just get IV and get it all back in. And that's, sometimes not, that's not illegal? It is now. Okay. <laughs> yes, it, it, it is now. Because people used to get 15 kilos of fluid shoved back in. And wow. you'd see somebody weigh in and then the next day they're 15 kilos heavier. So it's it's insane. But there you go, uh, George. I hope that answered your question. Thank you for the email. Everyone, please, if, if you And want, when
1: we're in LA next?
2: George, if we're in LA, can you… Uh,
1: Pick us up from the airport. <laughs> I was going to say, can you
2: organise a sparring match between me and Matt? <laughs> Dr. Matt versus Dr. Mike, the battle Do I have begins. to get down to your weight? It's, uh, yeah, you'd need to lose about 80 kilos. i
1: have to wear a plastic bag in the plane.
2: Yeah, for eight weeks. <laughs> thank you, George, and thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you want to send us an email, send us an email, gubiosciences at gmail.com.
1: Or go to our website.
2: Which is drmattanddrmike.com.au and you can send us an email Brand from new. Me. Brand spanking you. Matt, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Dear listener, thank you. We'll you kept, you connected
1: more. the dots from this particular topic really well.
2: Oh, how good. Thank you, Matt. You're just my favorite bit of adipose.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.